Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Golston Road, Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia. How great it is to be at the Heights this morning. I'm glad, glad that you came along and I, I pray that you have a, an awesome morning as we uh, join together and we continue our series, God Is. Uh, and this morning, Chris is going to lead us through God is Trustworthy. And I pray that you, uh, at the end of it, will be assured of God's trustworthiness uh, and that uh, you'll walk out people who want to step out in faith uh, because God is trustworthy. Psalm 111, 1 to 10 is the reading that today as Nero comes and brings that for us. Hey, uh, reading from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. This morning I am talking about God is trustworthy. I wonder uh, today how easily you trust. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed in our lives, uh, we are constantly having to put our trust uh, in things and people, even just to get here today. uh, You probably drove. Uh, You had to place your trust in the other vehicles to be safe. If you came across the gorge, you had to place your trust Uh, that they would go fast enough as to not enrage you. Uh, You are putting your trust in me this morning that this doesn't become a hostage situation, that I don't preach too long. Every single day we are placing our trust in people and things and I wonder how easily do you trust? Are you someone that trusts easily? I'll trust anyone, I'll trust anything. Or are you a bit more guarded? Are you somebody that trusts no one, trusts nothing? The truth is we live in a time uh, where it is getting harder and harder to trust anyone or anything. There was a study in 2019 by an organisation called Ipsos that found that between 2014 and 2019, there was a net decline of 16% in the amount that Australians trusted the news that they received from both traditional and social media. And I was looking at a variety of... Uh, of recent surveys that suggest that that trend has only continued and then some. More than ever, we question what we hear. More than ever, we question and we doubt uh, what it is that we are being told. It might be 
fake news. Uh, the intentions of the person telling us might be dubious. We might question that. We might doubt it. We may not trust us. Many of us are not only slow to trust uh, the media, but many of us actually find it difficult to trust other people. The saying goes, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. The truth is many of us actually approach our world, approach our life from that place. Psychologists talk about how people have a uh, a variety of scripts in their life that they follow. We build up scripts in our life in order to function in the world that we live in. There are simple scripts and there are complicated scripts. So uh, how do we know what to do when we go to a cafe in order to get a coffee back? Well, years of experience has probably told you that uh, step one is something like look at the menu, consider what they've got. Step two is, okay, make an order. Step three is pay. And step four is successfully receive the coffee. Uh, Mark's looking at me because he knows I don't drink coffee. Mark, I'm just trying to seem normal and relate and fit in uh, (laughs) with the normal people out there uh, as he holds his coffee there as well. But what happens uh, in our life when uh, the script that we've learned goes something like this? One... uh, hand our trust over to somebody else, Uh, two, depend on them to be safe and trustworthy, and then three, get betrayed, hurt, or rejected by that person. Many people who struggle to trust other people have had some version of that script reinforced in their lives since they were a child and so have learnt step by step to trust no one and to be suspicious always. Many of us can remember a time when a parent failed to come through for us or when a friend rejected us, when a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a partner or a spouse cheated on us, broke our heart, rejected us, betrayed us, hurt us deeply. Some of us even know what it's like to have an authority figure, somebody whom we should be able to trust, even perhaps a religious authority figure, betray our sacred trust and cause us harm. Few things are as precious and sacred in our lives as our trust, and few things hurt us as much as having our trust broken. So what do we do and how do we respond when the God of the universe comes to us and says, you can trust me. I am trustworthy. As Psalm 111 says about him, as we've just had read for us about God, the works of his hands are faithful and just. All of his words are trustworthy. What do we do and how do we respond? There is a title on this sermon today. The title is Trust." the process. Uh, Let's just pray quickly again. Lord, this morning as we consider your character, we consider how you are trustworthy. Uh, Lord, work uh, that out in our lives. Uh, Help us uh, in the complicated context that we might might find ourselves in with our own history and our own past and our own baggage. Uh, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be working in each and every one of us Uh, to understand what it might mean for you to be trustworthy in our lives. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. 
They say that when someone makes us a promise, there are four important criteria that that person must have in order to be somebody who is worthy of our trust. There must be four things about them, four boxes that must be ticked in order for us to say, okay, that person making the promise is trustworthy. These are the four boxes. Box number one is that that person actually understands what they are promising. If they don't understand what they are promising, they can't be trustworthy, okay? Box number two is that that person must be generally somewhat good in their intentions. Third of all, that person must be sincere and truthful with their words. And finally, that person must have the means and the mechanisms to actually fulfill the promise that they've made. They must be able to do it. Four things. Understand what they're promising. Be generally good in their intentions. Be sincere and truthful with their words. And finally, have the means and mechanisms uh, to do what they say. So this morning I thought, okay, I'm going to talk about God's trust uh, worthiness. It's an interesting thing. As Mark talked about last week, as we talk about God is love, okay, when you talk about the attributes of God, well, okay, I'll just go to Google, look at every verse that just references God as trustworthy. I'll just read them out for 25 minutes. All right, we all go away. God is trustworthy. Well, I'm not going to go down that route this morning. Well, instead, what I'm going to do is very briefly, I'm going to go through each of those four criteria that they say must be in somebody for them to be trustworthy and talk about today how God is perhaps the best example of each of those criteria. So first of all, that God is trustworthy uh, because he understands what he is promising to us, that we can trust God's knowledge. God knows what he's saying. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's talking about. Uh, In Isaiah 40 verse 28, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And it says about God that his understanding no one can fathom. Or to put it another way, God's understanding, God's knowledge, God's sort of uh, uh, understanding of everything that's going on at every second in every place It's so far beyond any of us and what we can comprehend that nobody, not a single person, can fathom. God understands so much that we can't even comprehend his understanding. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts because... God knows everything. And so simply to say, uh, for that first box, that first criteria that must be ticked, yes, God understands what he promises to us. God understands what he's saying, okay, under the banner of everything, okay, is God's understanding. He knows what he's saying and he knows what he's doing. So we can say about that first box about God, yes, definitely, certainly tick. The second criteria, is God generally good in his intentions? Well, I think this morning that I want to say that, yes, we can trust God's intentions, that God intends good things, that God actually himself is good. In the book, uh, in Narnia, The Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe, there is a scene in that book uh, where the children discover for the first time 
about Aslan, Aslan being this sort of Christ-like figure in this universe, okay? Uh, the children learn about uh, who Aslan is from the best possible source, I think, to learn anything from, but from a beaver called Mr. Beaver, okay? And Mr. Beaver said, well, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. And that's true about our God as well. He is good. He might be all-powerful. His understanding might be so far above us. Okay, he's not a tame lion, to put it in those words, but he is good. And the fact that God is good means that he has no evil in him at all. His intentions and his motivations are good and they are always good. He always does what is right and the outcome of God's plans are always good. There is nothing unpleasant, there is nothing evil, there is nothing dark in our God. His goodness extends from his nature out towards everything that he says and that he does. And having a conviction and an experience of God being good, not just understanding that he is good ethically, but he is also good experientially, means that when we approach God, we know that prayer isn't just saying words. Church services aren't just a boring couple of hours that we endure. Reading the Bible isn't just tedious reading. Worship songs can be enjoyed, not just sung. God's goodness means that he isn't just a means to an end, something that helps us to get what we want, but actually that God is the end goal and purpose of all things. He is the ultimate good, ethically and experientially. As I said, God is to be experienced, loved, treasured and enjoyed and trusted as good. The goodness of God is testified to over and over in Scripture and throughout the history of God's people, and it can also be experienced, I believe, daily in our lives. So yes, we can trust God's intentions. He is good. Third of all, we can trust God's sincerity. Sincerity. That is to say, he is truthful. He is true and he is truthful. That God is exactly how he reveals himself. He's not playing a trick on us. God cannot lie. He does not lie and he does not distort the truth. He is the God of truth. In Numbers chapter 23, it says, God is not human like us that, we, that he should ever lie not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God does not act towards us to try and deceive us. He is not a trick, nor does he trick. He is true and he is truthful in all that he says and that he does. And we can absolutely trust his truthfulness. And finally, does God have the means and the mechanism, the ability to actually do what he says he can do? I believe this morning I want to put it to you that, yes, we can trust God's ability. He is able. In fact, uh, the way that God is described in the Bible is that he is all-powerful. 
I'm going to read an excerpt from a book by A.W. Tozer right now. The Knowledge of the Holy is the name of the book. He goes through different characteristics of God and about God being all-powerful. It says this, God alone is almighty. God possesses what no creature can, an incomprehensible plenitude of power, a potency that is absolute. This we know by divine revelation, but once known, it's recognized as being in a full accord with reason. Grant that God is infinite and self-existent, and we see at once that he must be all-powerful as well, and reason kneels to worship before the divine omnipotence. Power belongeth unto God, says the psalmist, and Paul the apostle declares that nature itself gives evidence of the eternal power of the Godhead. From this knowledge we reason to the omnipotence of God this way, God has power. Since God is also infinite, whatever he must be without, whatever he must be, it must be without limit. Therefore, God has limitless power. He is omnipotent. I had to read that. Tozer puts it so much better than I possibly could. God is powerful. God is all-powerful. There is no limit on the power that our God has. So is God able? Does he have the mechanisms, the means to do what he says he can do? Yes, the God that we worship can do all things. He is able. He is all-powerful. He has all strength. When we say that the Lord is the Lord Almighty, we are saying he is the Lord that has the might and the power to do it all. He is not held back. He is not weak. He is not uh, hampered. He is not uh, unable to do what he says he wants to do. We can trust God because he has the means, the mechanism, the ability, the strength and the power to do what he says he can do. So yes, finally, tick, we can trust God because of his power. And ultimately, God has demonstrated his trustworthiness to us in the sending of his son, Jesus. The Old Testament scriptures are filled with promise after promise after promise uh, to God's people, promising that one day a Messiah will come, somebody will come and fix the mess that we found ourselves in. We talk about God having good intentions. Well, God could have just left us in our mess and just gone, okay, you know what? You guys sort it out. You're not going to, but like good luck. But no, God uh, made promises. Okay, one day we're going to sort all this out. And one day he did. Jesus came and he takes away the sins of the world and one day will come and reign over all things in power and justice. And we might ask, okay, when we go through difficult times or when we look around fairly at the world that we live, why doesn't God come and help us? How can I trust a God that doesn't come and help us? But he did and he does We live in a time after Jesus' first coming and we live in a time before his second. But the success of his first coming and the transformation that that has brought about in our lives and in the lives of God's people is an everyday testimony to God's trustworthiness. Even in our lives, the coming of Jesus can be a signpost that points to others but even points to ourselves that we can trust in what God is doing and what he is going to to do. We can trust in what he has done and we can trust in what he's going to do. There is a term in the sporting world, the term goes like this, it's trust the process. 
There's an NBA team in America, the Philadelphia 76ers. They're famous in America for popularizing the term trust the process. You see this club, this uh, NBA team sold their best player. They hired a coach that people said, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, his only experience is coaching in Australia of all places. But the CEO came before the fans and he told them, he said to trust the process. There may be some short-term pain. You might not understand what I'm doing, but trust the process. And this term, this phrase has taken off. It's very popular in the sporting world, even becoming uh, popular in the business world. That is, okay, when we look at what we're doing in our lives, what we're applying ourselves to, okay, are we trusting the short-term outcomes or are we trusting the process in which we find ourselves in? That is, okay, especially in sport, but in all facets of our life, if we were simply to judge uh, based on short-term outcomes, we might constantly be doubting our trust. We might go, this doesn't work. I'm doing the wrong thing. I've got to change course. I've got to mix it up. If we are day by day or week by week or game by game, just basing all of our feelings about what happened in that singular event, often we're not going to trust the other things that we're doing in our life. And it became very popular with coaches who would say to their players, okay, don't focus so much on the outcomes in the game, but trust the process. Trust the process of training. Trust the process of hard work. Trust the process of what I'm instructing you to do that over a period of time. It will all make sense, even in the short term, even if in the short term it doesn't make sense at all. Well, I confess that many times in my life I have felt like God is like that coach saying to me, trust the process. And I, many times in my life, have not trusted God or his process. I've looked at what is going on in my life. I've looked at uh, what's happening. I've looked at where he's taking me and what he's doing And I've gone, I don't actually get this. This is different to what I had planned out. This is different to the idea that I had. As I go day by day, God, this isn't making sense. I don't trust this. I don't trust you. I confess there have been many times in my life where I have not trusted what God is doing in my life. And perhaps you know the feeling of going, this, this, if, if God is good, if he's someone I can trust, the day that I'm in right now isn't making sense sense. And for those people uh, who are going through real suffering and real pain, uh, nobody and certainly not me from the stage today should ever say just flippantly, don't worry about it, just trust God. Of course not. But there's a broader truth that we might not understand the perspective of God But if we place our faith in him, we can trust what he's doing, not just in the universe, but in our lives. God is trustworthy. And I think this morning that that's a truth that all of us need to hear. But I do want to finish today by speaking to two specific groups of people. I want to encourage these two specific people, groups of people around the idea of trusting who God is and trusting what God is doing. The first group of people are those who in their life are right now questioning whether it's worth living the way that God requires, who are questioning whether what God is asking you to do in your life, what God is calling you to do, what God is commanding you to do is actually the right thing. 
for those who have their doubts about when it comes to what God is uh, calling us to do and calling us to be, whether we are actually trusting him as being worth it in that sense. The truth is God is trustworthy for those groups of people. God doesn't call us to live for him or to live in a certain way or to follow his commands because he likes to see us uncomfortable. God doesn't call us to live a certain way obedient to him because he wants to deprive us, because he wants to test us, because uh, he's a, a maniac up in heaven just like enjoying our suffering. No, God is trustworthy and when he places on us, he calls to us to live a certain way, when he gives us his commands, when he gives us his outline on how to live, he's doing it because he is trustworthy, because he is good. God outlines a way for us to live trusting in him, in obedience and faithfulness because he wants what's best for us. If we follow in our lives the path, the plans, the principles that God places before us and we somehow actually are obedient to some, most of those things or we try and head in that direction, we will find every time that is actually for our good. He has our best in mind. His commandments and his principles are there for our good. This is something I try and say to our young people all the time. Okay, God's word isn't just there to take away from your life. It's there to actually enhance your life. They're not just a good idea if it's possible, if we can make it work, you know, in our modern context. You know, you know God doesn't maybe understand everything that's going on. We think to ourselves, we, you know, we, we, God, you know, I have the Bible, but we're a bit smarter now. We've got a bit more... No, God's words, the way that he has outlined for us to live, are the firmest of foundations on which to build our lives. And the truth is that some of us look at God's commands and we approach them with a pick-and-choose mentality. We follow them until they don't make sense or until they're too difficult. We, we have an override button. Yes, I'll follow God, I'll be obedient to God, but I've always got this override button because there are occasions where I go, well, actually, that can't be what God's actually calling me to do. And we override them because we think we know better or because we think, well, that's just sort of outdated religious ideas that can't possibly apply today. We think we're coming to God's word from a modern perspective, but the truth is we're just repeating an old, a very ancient pattern that traces itself back to the very first command in the garden when the serpent came to Adam and Eve and said, did God really say that? And we fall into the same trap of death and pain when we decide that our way is better than God's way, when we no longer trust his wisdom or we no longer trust his intentions. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says it like this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. There are things that we want to do in our life that we think, no, God doesn't understand. The sand is way better. The sand makes way more sense. God doesn't understand. No, actually, in my life, I need to build my house on the sand. 
We go, God's just trying to make me build on the rock because like he's just mean, because he's cruel. He just wants to take me over there when I want to be over here. But it's not that God wants bad for us. It's that when the storm comes, he wants our life to be built on the firmest of foundations, that we can trust him and we can trust what he says. And finally, and this is where I finish this morning, for those wondering if the struggle and the pain and the suffering and the confusion in their life is all worth it. I said I wouldn't say it flippantly, but I do still say it gravely and understanding context in our lives are painful and can't just be wished away by nice phrases. But I, I, I do even say to those people that God is trustworthy. Things in our life do go wrong. We suffer. We experience pain and all of us, every single person here, every single person here has a reason and perhaps some of us have many, many, many reasons to never trust again. But the hope of the gospel, the good news that God sends to us in the person of Jesus is that God doesn't give us a false hope. It's a firm, unwavering and faithful hope. God promises to us in our lives that when we struggle, when we suffer, he promises to us that we would have somehow, in some way, his comfort. That like Jesus, while he hung on the cross also, that while we might suffer uh, in darkness, as Jesus rose from the dead victorious, we also can depend on God's promise that after the darkness of night, after the darkest of nights in our lives, after that will come the light of the morning that our suffering is real, but it is not permanent. God comforts us, comforts us in the present and offers us his promise that we can trust in Revelation 21, that there is a day coming that when one day Jesus will come and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, that one day there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. We can trust in God's promises for both the present and the future. So that we can say, like the psalmist in Psalm 23, that the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. For his name's sake... Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. The invitation to each of us this morning is to reach out to the God who is with us, to the God who is trustworthy in every way, and for each of us in our own particular way to say to him, even in the smallest mustard-seed-sized way, to say to him, God, I trust you. I trust you because you are trustworthy. Let's pray. Lord, it is difficult in our lives to trust you often, and we are sorry for the times that we don't. Well, may we be a church, a group of people this morning who are encouraged by this truth. Lord, that you fulfill every single criteria of someone who is trustworthy. Lord, in our lives, help us in the small ways and in the big ways to have trust in you. And we thank you that because you're trustworthy, we can trust your love. We can trust your power. We can trust your goodness. We can trust your holiness. We can trust your righteousness. 
Lord, that actually today we want to be a people who are empowered by the fact that you are trustworthy. We pray all these things, we reflect on all these things and we seek to apply each of these things to our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen.